welcome to Commagers. I'm Brian Costello. I'm Jim DeSanto. I'm Katie. And tonight we're joined by our return special guest, Mr. David. Thanks for joining Ooh. us. Hey, hey, thanks for coming back, David. Very excited. Thank goodness that, uh, you know, the work schedule has us... Uh, Come not coming into work, I guess. Yeah. We have off yeah. tomorrow. Katie, so, I'm sorry, I don't know guys. if that was the intention there, but no you know, we'll play it. Yeah. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah. Very it nice. Really lovely. <laughs> well, today we are going to be looking at the Golden Globe winning and hugely Oscar hopeful new release. This is like a legitimate new release film. This mm-hmm. is not something we do. We are cutting edge. We are cutting edge. Some cutting edge here, uh, mainly because you don't have to go to a movie theater because it's on HBO Max. We like that a lot. Uh, we're talking Judas and the Black Messiah. But first, as always, we ask the most pressing question of all. What are we drinking this episode? What does everybody have? I'm going with an old fashioned um, made with wild turkey rare breed from you know, Matthew McConaughey's uh, spokesperson. He always, it makes me happy to drink a, a beverage that he endorses. I'm into mm-hmm. anything that you do that's like Matthew McConaughey. So I'm, Gee, I'm I can't wait for him to run this. for governor I, of Texas. I, I, honest, I would vote for, for him. That. Honest to God, if you, I, I'm even more intrigued with him after listening to him on Dak Shepard's podcast. And apparently his book is amazing. It's just like stories from his life. He like found all his journals and like pulled stories out of them. The dude is yeah, that, like on another level of you consciousness. Yeah, yeah. I, I totally believe that. He's getting all of the wavelengths. Um, I didn't get any uh, drink recommendations for this film. I think it's too current. We don't have enough of our commenters who have seen it. Right. So I had to invent for myself, but it's delicious. I'm calling it the Black Cherry Panther. It is a cherry <laughs> aperitif. Wow. It's a spiced cherry aperitif from okay. House. Uh, this was a little Valentine's present from my Valentine. And a rock and rye whiskey. Yep. Delicious. I will say that I think the only drink mentioned in the movie is scotch at one point. Do they? Oh, so, yeah. at yeah, the restaurant? At the very, very end. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't do scotch. Sorry. Not for me. It's a hard scotch. drink. Scotch. Scotch. Too hard. It's like someone once said... Trying to drink scotch is like trying to drink an angry cat that's been set on fire. I don't like cats. <laughs> oh, wow. I don't like angry that's... cats. Oh, wow. It's Pete. Well, I like I, scotch. I'm not a scotch don't person. I like things. I like scotch. All right. Uh, what else? What else David, are we drinking? What do you have, sir? Uh, you know what? No, no drinks as cool as you guys. You know, I'm still working on that part, but I just got a, uh, just a fresca. Uh, sparkling soda lime. I love a yeah. fresca, David. A fresca, yeah. Yeah. You don't, you, you know. Don't, I was thinking that David like was like one of our connections to the youth. Like, yeah, he's like half, you know. Yeah. And then he drops Fresca on me, and I'm yeah, like, Fresca. Did you go 80s. to the diner at 4 p.m. No, for dinner tonight? It's, it's bad. I did. Baby. I do it's love so Fresca. It's new. It's grapefruit. I, like, I, mm, I honestly grapefruit. like. I drink. I drink alcohol. I I drink it probably more sparingly. Yeah. Um. Than most are like socially. Um. But for whatever reason, like when booze is like in the house, like I just. I don't go immediately grabbing for it. Yeah, you know? David. It's like I, oh, no. I almost we are not pressuring you. Yeah. No, no, no. This you're, you're podcast tot- is not no. about it, pressuring no. the drink. If you were like, I have a seltzer, I have a water, I have whatever, you drop <laughs> Fresca, that's like... 
If you were like, yeah, I had a tab, now I would be like 1985 called and wants their beverage back. Fresca. My sister-in-law really? always drank Fresca. Love it. I don't know if I can recall like the taste it of Fresca. It is so refreshing. It's a it grapefruit is. soda, it right? It's a it grapefruit is. soda. Yeah. I Yo, love it's, grapefruit. It's got different flavors. Oh, it's great. But, but, I got but I think it's one great of these choice. days, though, I am going. I'm. I'm going to look at what 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 I got in the cellar and just. We're not going to make you no, drink, no, no, David. No. We are not. We are like, I feel like older siblings to you. We are not going to force you to drink. Please don't do that for us. Everyone on this podcast drinks more than enough for. Yeah, we'll take care of it. We'll anybody. take care of it. You stay healthy. Including most of the people who listen. non You take care of your liver. Yes, yes we drink non-socially mm-hmm. as well. We're professionals. I mean, you would think, right? You would think like I would have just been like, like just drowning it, you know, like no. just drowning it with, nah. all, like, all the, with all the COVID going on. It's it's like weird. Like I've only had maybe like throughout like big occasions, but like I'm not afraid of alcohol. Like I drink it. It's just it's because you you know the bars closed. You're disciplined and you have self control. Uh, well, and it's also about who you live with. Um, we live with small children. Yeah, and apparently this is not uncommon that drinking went up among parents during the quarantine. Yeah, I can. Imagine. I bet it did. Yes. Yeah, David gave up <laughs> drinking during COVID. I gave up reading. So, oh, did I mean, you really? Very much, very much on I don't the think we've talked parallel. about that a year later. I did not read much. Well, confessions. I did watch. Remember, I watched 265 you watched so movies. So many movies. Something last had to year. give. It took away much more. Uh, I am still having some minor adverse reactions to my COVID vaccine. Well, hooray for oh. vaccines. Though. So, but I was vaccinated. Yay. So you should. And I, I was vaccinated. You were vaccinated. <laughs> very minor. So everyone should get vaccinated once you can. Vaccinated. <laughs> Vaccine. Is it affecting your brain? No, <laughs> Slightly. Slightly. Is uh, it making so, you foggy? Uh, so I was just going to drink a ginger ale, but See? then I decided, got a ginger ale and a fresca. Yeah, but then I decided to drink whiskey with it. So <laughs> I, I was going to say you could have just had your normal Miller Lite, and that's not it was, yeah. just water. I mean, it's that's basically like it's mostly. Water. Water. I really wanted the flavor of ginger ale, which is delightful. Hmm, ginger ale is, is it's delightful. settling. It's settling yes, for the tummy. It's settling. The it is. It's very settling. Uh, okay, it is time for the rundown. The rundown. Oh, I was. You're not ready. Well, I'm not ready, ready? But you're not ready. I, never... I was ready. We just needed both things at the same time. <laughs> I'm on a little bit of a roll with taking the rundown really seriously. Mm, okay. So, just a disclaimer: I, I didn't half-ass this one. <clears throat> I like it. The FBI, under the direction of J. Edgar Hoover, is fighting a war against the Black Panther movement, which is gaining momentum across the country. They are particularly concerned with the rise of young chairman Fred Hampton, who is uniting seemingly disconnected groups of people across the city of Chicago. They can't believe their luck when they stumble upon William O'Neill, a young black man who has been stealing cars by impersonating an FBI agent. They negotiate a deal with O'Neill to be their eyes on the inside. O'Neill quickly discovers the power of Hampton and the Panthers and finds himself in an impossible situation. Snitch on the movement that he comes to love or spend his life in prison. Very well done. Thank you. I I will say, though, whenever I, you know, the power of Lin-Manuel and Hamilton, as soon as I hear their eyes on the inside, I go, who might let some things slide? Uh, it's amazing. Hamilton <laughs> is in my brain at yeah. all times. Whenever there is a line that Hercules even really yep, yep. slightly right. to it, it's Sorry. there. All right, here yeah. we go. Grade of the week. So on our mm. scale from A plus through rad, 
Where would everybody grade Judas and the Black Messiah? Let's start out with David. David, what is your grade for Judas and the Black Messiah? Uh, I, I definitely an A. Um, I'm not really sure if it's an A plus or A minus. Um, ultimately, I, I just think it was um, it was a very well done film. I can't find any issues with any of the acting. Um, you know, you can't really criticize too much of it because, you know, it is based off of real events and stuff. So it's a very kind of hard thing to judge. Right. Like one night in Miami previously, I thought was a lot easier to judge because it was sort of like fictional elements matched in with the real life stuff. But it's just when I look at Black Judas and the um, I'm, I'm sorry, Judas and the Black Messiah, I just I can't see anything wrong with this film. I mean, it's just top to bottom uh, and then just everything about it. So, I, yeah, I'm, I'm sticking with an A, probably leading close to an A plus, but I'm hesitant to say that because it's really hard for, I think, any movie. So I don't want to. Yeah. Just go around giving A pluses for everything. That's but, fair. Don't throw those it's, it's, it's Don't throw them be around. Said, though, how yes. well this movie was. Yeah, I'm, right? I'm going to throw it said. around. I'm throwing it right around. I, this, <laughs> this, I think this is my first A plus of the Ooh. year. I can't remember if I gave uh-huh. Casablanca an A plus. Oh, um, it's got to be up there. This is this is an A plus for me. For me, so far, this is the movie to beat for best picture mm. um, of what we've seen from the year. I have we seen two? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's why I was seen two, two, maybe three, one, maybe three. Anyway, Miami. Um, <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna watch Nomadland. That one's on the list. There's oh, another yes. one on the list too. Anyway, uh, I thought I thought this was superb. Yeah, I'm, I I also can't find a single thing to complain about in this film. Brian, you go you go first before me, and then I I because I have something that might lead to a discussion right off the bat. I gave it a B plus, which is what I gave one night in Miami. Uh, I almost was willing to push it up because I do think it's better than one night in in Miami. Uh, And I also have to grade it slightly on a curve because I watched it the day after I watched Nomadland, which I actually think is the best movie Mm. that's been released this year. Um, And that's not a slight at this movie, because I think the movies. Oh, yeah, yeah, I think the movie's fantastic. I will say I think there's at least one A plus performance in the movie. Um, So I I definitely think it will win awards and already has and should win awards. Uh, I, I can't find much fault with it. I also think I am always, as I've said repeatedly, slight. I don't have a love for biopic ish things though i thought this one did a pretty actually a much better job than ones we've seen recently so i i I do think it's kind of flawless movie making too which we can talk about Mm -hmm. from a a group that from a feature film perspective when you look at like the core people involved are not necessarily big names you know these are not this is not like and you know this is first second feature type stuff so definitely uh, beyond worth seeing. And I recommended it. Actually, we're doing civil rights in my class and I recommended it to all my students mm. as well. I think it is good enough historically as well to get. Yeah. Watch it from that perspective. I'm going with an A straight A. It's my highest grade yet, I think. Oh, nice. Nice. Um, and honestly, I think Shaka King should shoot right to the top of yeah. best director. This is like vintage Scorsese level stuff. Like I watched this movie going, 
all those guys pretending to to try to recapture those mob movies of the 70s and 80s this is better than most of them so we we just recently watched this uh (laughs) tinker tailor soldier spy which you know is supposed to be a tense film um you know spy film you know british m16 (laughs) mi6 i always said it wrong anyway um, i was thinking of that last night you know i i saw david today and and started trying to wrap words around the experience of watching this film i felt this film in every bit of my skin like i felt like my skin was tingling that's how tense and emotional the entire thing yeah. was. Like, and I'll, it lived inside your I'll your bring chest. it up right off the bat. The soundtrack to this film, the score, is incredible. Because it is this... It, at moments, it's like jazz horror. I can't mm-hmm. even tell... I can't right? even describe yeah. it. That's a great way of putting it. Yeah. It, it, they do things in this that make you think of like horror movies but it's all real instruments it's all jazz it's horns and it's it's unsettling and it 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 makes an impact on how you feel while you're watching the film Mm -hmm. and i even for someone that is slightly a a musician (laughs) like i i people would say i play guitar and i pay attention to music i have a hard time like Paying attention to music and films. Um, yeah, this one—it's not something you are. Yeah, I don't bring it up. So you try to. And people listen to it. Listen to like a song. Like, do you know what this is from? You know what this is from? I'm like, I, yeah. I have no idea. I, I'm that guy. I love yeah. the scores. Yeah. I love the scores. Hans Zimmer. Yeah. Warren Balf. Like, uh, yeah, this, I love the scores. This made me pay attention because wow. I immediately was like, "This is making me feel a certain way." Like it was almost like car horns, discordant car horns, but it was. It was brass. Yeah, the opening scene. Yes. The music in that and 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 that sorry to cut you off, but you know, just just the fact that the tune is so like memorable for me, but also it informs the movie, you know, like now that tone, like I could or that tune, I could I could know exactly where that's from because of that. It, it like to me, from that first opening scene, it just became instantly memorable. Yeah, I agree. I think you're right, Jim, in the sense that there is a very almost good fellas mm-hmm. vibe in in some way. It, it's I was feeling more film. like Godfather, like it was very well, like well, there is there's moment, but I was thinking just the way it was shot, maybe yeah. and the coloring in the use of it, like there was yes. callbacks to me to Goodfellas mm-hmm. in terms of. It's the staging. It also could have been time period wise. Yeah, I, why I that I'm drifting more yeah, to I that think it's idea. The period, than that. It's a period film. And it's a very well done period film. Yeah. Well, the, the Sean uh, Bobbitt did this and he does some really is a DP. I mean, not huge name stuff, but if you like the way like he shot 12 years a slave, which was yes. beautiful. You can hear that sound in there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he but he hunger, shame, like films mm-hmm. of that kind of ilk which were like slightly independent yes but but accessible to a mainstream because sometimes the when you get these independent films 
the lighting or the way they shoot, it's almost too jittery, too fast. I felt like there was a lot of patience in terms of how they shot it. And it's it's really a visually a beautiful film, yeah. which sometimes doesn't happen with like a biopic esque like thing. Yeah. Like um, they tend not to focus on that. So much of it's about who the people are on the story. And I feel like some of the secondary things fall apart in production design and stuff. Not this one at all. This was like beautifully shot. And I think that's where I'd push back a little bit on just like classifying this as, as a biopic. Um, I think the fact that this is based on real events gives it a deeper level of validity and emotional connection. That aside, this movie would be, outstanding if it was a fictional story like Mm -hmm, i mm -hmm. i feel like sometimes when we classify something as a biopic it's almost like it knocks it down a peg like well Well, this was a real story somebody's just retelling a story that actually happened in in history this is so artistically done there Mm -hmm. are so many choices made in the portrayal of these characters the cinematography Mm -hmm. of how it's shot i just i thought it was a beautiful film and the emotional impact of it couldn't have been i don't think it could have been stronger yeah and to to your point this is i mean it's not biography it's not a biography of anybody this is like a snapshot in time of like a, just a few years in yeah you're right in the life it's not yeah, like it's not like we're, we're catching them from little kids like now we're like in the middle of it you know yeah so and and that i think real quick just goes off of Katie's point about how that's where, yeah, like you can see where it's a tough argument to say it's a biopic because it's like, you know, there's, there's not so many elements to that. You're, you're really, I mean, look at the name of the story. Like it it goes straight into that kind of, you know, intent right from the get go, you know? So it's like, yes, these are real events and most of it is actually pretty accurate, but yeah, going off to your point, uh, Jim, like, you know, it's, it, those yeah those those elements in there are 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 beyond i think a bio well, well yeah. let me just give you two examples like that stand out with just like that pulls me out of the cinematic piece of it from just a movie perspective one is martin sheen's ridiculous makeup to look uh, like. He, they, <laughs> like yeah that, that was the only like, there's extra like no, face yeah but there's like no that's, face, that, that like funny. bothers me like and you know i think <laughs> yeah, of, i agree uh, i mean pearl harbor is an awful movie too but like when they did the same thing with uh i mean what john void fdr and they do like they feel this i would rather yeah just they could have just have it yeah agreed do that like, do honestly do many people know what what who like people no, living today are folks like well know. hoover had such a notable yeah, face like you've got to really show his face i honestly think that was the only misstep in this movie was casting him sure Sure. Yeah. Not oh, not just think, the no. I I it think didn't the need whole to be. Thing was, I, it, I think casting him was, was distracting, distracting a little yes. bit. So you think yes. it would have been less distracting though if if the makeup hadn't been that bad? I, I Maybe. Think but well, yes, but that's Martin just because Sheen. we're in the middle of watching yeah, the West, West Wing. But, and, but he's point. very Martin well known Sheen. in that role. Yeah, yeah it, I know. But that's a key. That's a key to that film is when you look at the cast. I mean, all of them are like. Just about, you know, just about to start to peak, I feel like. Yeah. Jesse Plemons, Daniel Kaluuya, obviously, Lakeith Stanfield. Um, having a guy like Martin Sheen actually does kind of distract it. I agree. Because it's like, I you agree. know who Martin Sheen is. I didn't see Hoover. And there's been plenty of films about Hoover. Yeah. I didn't see Hoover. I saw, wow, Martin Sheen is being a jackass in this movie. 
You see, well, I but, thought the opposite. It's like Martin Sheen has a gravitas, and you're right. like, why would people be following this effing lunatic? Right. That is, like, yeah. telling, like, you so either you do need, Martin Sheen with nothing, nothing yeah. on top of him, or you right. cast somebody else. But casting like, him and putting a fake face on him is ridiculous. ridiculous. And the, and the second thing, and I, I've had, to, I have. I felt like it was almost a little bit too Spike Lee esque and some of the the recent Spike Lee with the piece at the end, you know, where they show like I want the cinema and I understand because that's where it's a biopic thing where they show the real life, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, thing at the mm-hmm. end. And and that and that's interesting because it's a but to me that like at times just pulls me out of the cinematic experience. That's I, interesting. I love that. that. I, I, because again, the, like to end with but that's, but that's a biopic though, Katie, when ah. you do that, you're, you're taking like, to me, that you could have ended, you could have end, ended the film. Like that didn't make, it, it, it felt in a sense, it was pulling some of the emotional impact of that very yeah. end of that movie, Ryan's like right. the way that ended. And that's only a small, I, like, I, I mean, I was yeah. intrigued. I don't know. I you thought can, you seeing the real it. guy at the end and then and then ending with you, his death by suicide. Yeah, but, but you know no, that's not. Yeah, I mean. That yeah, isn't the story. it doesn't take away it is, from the though. message. Right? It, but it yes, is. It is. Judas it, and the Black Messiah. Judas they are does telling you to suicide. focus so, like, on that see, relationship. But the yes, character, there's, there's, the character that we're invested in, in that guy is not the real life guy that we see in that thing at the end. You could have shown that. Oh, in, do you know what I mean by like? So are you saying in, like if they would have put Lakeith, like if they would have made him like older? I don't like even know if they need. Okay. Maybe, I don't even know if they needed to do that. I feel like they provided enough emotional impact where they could have just of ended where where you saw him when he the accepts the money. That, when he yes. accepts the money, like to me, that just is like a film. And I understand people want to know, and I and I'm not critiquing. Oh, like, that's fine, okay. but I'm just saying, like, okay. from the movie, you're so invested in the character yeah, yeah. to then go to the real life version of him. It didn't necessarily do. It, it didn't make me hate it or anything like that. No, but I thought no, the no. performances were so good that all of them like that was enough for me that if I wanted to go find out what happened to him in real life, you could have just Googled it and it would have been there. That would have been interesting. I, yeah, I disagree. Interesting. I disagree. I, you know, I think well, that there make your case for why it enhances the film, because I do think that there is additional impact from making that real life connection. And will mm-hmm. there be people that Google at the end of the film? But yes, that's not a film. That's not, I, I understand the merit of what you're saying because if you look at this film as a tool for as a tool for teaching and a tool for understanding something that happened you're 100% right but if you look at this film as a film that is telling a story right. around a theme okay mm-hmm. so I think you need that part of the story so then to me the question is do you use the real footage and just the captions, or right. do you show it? I well, I don't think you end it at the money well, because the, does... the the fact that he avoids prison and then is basically imprisoned in his own decision for the remainder mm-hmm. of his life, like I don't that's think that's important. Left... Yeah, I guess I that's mean, important. That, I think you're. I think that's an individual, an individual viewing's going to bring what they bring to that point. Because if you cut to black and roll credits when he accepts that money, I almost feel like everyone stands up and goes, holy shit. Interesting. All right. I, I, 
real, real quick, just to cap that off, I, I think both of you, like both of you guys have like great points with that. I think ultimately, in my opinion, um, if they wanted it to be fully a biopic, I feel like they would have just said, you know, the, the Fred Hampton story or the, like, whatever. I think the fact that they say, you know, this is the title, you know, Judas and the, uh, sorry. Yeah. Black, the Judas and the black Messiah. <laughs> I feel like, um, ha- having it kind of cut off at the end instead of having the footage with William O'Neill when he's older, I think it would have definitely capped off that title by having it end with him just taking the money. And then we're just sitting in the back, like, wow. Like oh, that was like a lot. It's so but, hard but though, because the final the, moment, right. like the Judas well, also hangs himself, right? Yes. And so, so, so it's, so the, yeah. it's the final either piece either of that way, story. Yeah. E- either way for me, um, I think either way it would have, the impact was felt uh, emotionally speaking. Like I cried at the end of this film. So I think whether he took the money and that was it, you know, pulled the Judas moment um, or just seeing the footage, of you know him and his real life i think either way it hit me yeah my skin was tingling i i was you know going through like the five stages of grief yeah you know um just i i think i was i was already bought in so i think it would have made the craziest difference to me how it would have ended but i think yeah this is well listen it's what movies are for it's significantly it's significantly better than the end of the five bloods where uh, Spike Lee went on for like five minutes doing stuff that had nothing well, to do and, with the movie. And that was a completely different sort of, yeah. like, I, I don't think that this is a Spike Lee move. No. I understand there's, what there's you're influence. saying. I in, think there's influence. I think in, there's influence. In regards to using real footage, I understand. But mm-hmm. yes, he does that at the end of Do the Right Thing. He does that at the yeah. end of The Five Bloods. Black Klansman. This, this is one yeah. clip and it allows the audience to make the connection to the real human being. Well, you know, he doesn't do a, a it's not a collage. Yeah, yeah, it's not yeah, a, yeah, it's not also, a sampling. There's also a lot of writing that I'm just saying, like from a cinematic perspective, I this think like I feel like it <laughs> I feel like it pulls you out of the world they brought you in. And, and it's and well, it, it's fine. It's yeah. fine. I'm just saying, like, I think from just a movie perspective, which Let's, you have like you have to choose, in my opinion. Are we concerned about the the reality of that this was real or are we looking at it solely from a perspective of them making a movie? And if they were if this was just a fictional movie, you wouldn't have had that piece on. Well, hold on. Hold on. Yeah. So like we can move on from this conversation. One of the things that's (laughs) interesting about it, though, is that they chose to show some of that interview with Lakeith Stanfield playing the character. Yes. Yes. And then that, they that moved on true. to the to the to the real guy. Yeah. And so like there's something they're trying to do there and maybe I have to rewatch and kind of feel it a little more um Yeah, so like I I think it go either way. Um and I do think it's going to end up being like your personal preference on like But I think that's an important point because that it is a framing that he he is at the beginning of the film in that interview. Right. And it's Lakeith. And then at the end of the film, it is it is O'Neill. Yeah. It is the real O'Neill. And so they are choosing to have that interview be a piece of the yeah. story, not just a footnote at the end. Agreed. It's, but yeah, it's interesting. Um, let's talk about the portrayals because I think 
that's where things in this movie get incredibly um, high level. Yeah. The Daniel acting in Kaluga. this movie, both of them. Yeah. Lakeith yeah, Stansfield deserves some attention. He's, man. Yep. He deserves he really an Oscar it. for this movie. There it are moments. There. That moment where I think it happens twice, where he has something incredibly like adrenaline inducing, whether it's like he was almost found out as a rat. They're fighting, mm -hmm. you know, oh, they're God, shooting on the car. Mm -hmm. When, when he, he has to hotwire the when, car, when he, he like sweating. Not that him. moment. Oh, yeah. I was sweating. But, but the moment that was a good, that was a good moment. I was sweating. That was the moment and 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 uh I'm kind of stealing this because Dax Shepard talks about this moment in the wrestler all the time where Mickey Rourke gets in the car and you're al he's alone with himself after something crazy and in crazy intense just happened. And he looks in the rearview mirror, sees himself, and all he can do is laugh. Mm. And in this movie, he does that. Like he's he's crying. I and I think we've all yeah. had that moment where, like, mm -hmm. you you don't even know how to process what just happened, mm -hmm. right? Yep. And it's yeah, borderline, like the not acting. Reactions. Yeah. He there, there's a moment where he's like crying. Mm -hmm. driving the car and then giggling to himself. And it's like, yep. yeah, that's exactly what happens to a human that is in this insane <laughs> warlike situation yeah. that, that he finds himself. And well, and I, I loved think... him as the Joker. He would have killed it as oh. the Joker. Oh. <laughs> I'm just yes. saying, you yep. know, just throwing that one out there. I so think the, the complexity of his character and the emotions that he goes through in this film, um, the way that he can portray it on his face, like I just feel like you you get paragraphs from his eyes in certain mm -hmm. scenes where like you're just watching his thoughts come through his face. But there's the also awesome moments. On him. Yeah, yep. lots of great, lots of great use of camera. There, I there's mean, they just get him right there. Mm -hmm. like, but there's know, also moments where he's like, he's playing William O'Neill as a, as like. A less act, less of a good actor yes, yes. than Lakeith Stanfield. Yes, yeah, which is crazy. Yes, because the actual person also has to act. Oh, right, yeah. 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 It's so it's, good. Biopics are way harder than I'm sure people <sighs> give them credit. Well, for. it's the interesting thing is I wonder, and it's isn't a mild critique, but like we brought up Godfather earlier. The one thing I will say is I wonder if he was underutilized if more of the if he should have been in even more of this because there was the balance of the two yeah. of them right but i i did feel at points it's like his was i felt like his portrayal was less of a biopicy type thing than fred hampton and david kalua is by the way amazing the oscar yeah. so so you almost like don't want less of him on the screen but I'm also like, would it been better if like Latif was the Pacino Godfather, which mm -hmm. is what the movie was really about. And then you got a little bit less Brando, but it didn't mean the performance was anything less. Like you were right. still able to get everything because that's mm -hmm. one of the small things that I think that maybe took this from being like an all time one for me is that I wanted to see even more, I think, oh, okay. of O'Neill's like character, mm -hmm. because I think it's such an intriguing character. I well, think you can get it just as much from Fred Hampton. Like you feel every scene he's in is pulsating. So I think I feel the connection to him and you feel everything when he is killed and all that type of stuff. 
So I don't know if it's like slightly lengthening the film because I don't know if I want to cut anything. Yeah, but like when you think about that, a little bit more of because that character was so so good. Yeah, but you get as I think just as much of Lakeith without Fred Hampton. No, no, I'm saying I feel like their screen time, Katie, is almost the same. Yeah, if we were to run a time, but that's like that is I don't know necessarily. They're saying Fred Hampton character is what they're putting him in is the supporting character in yeah, this oh that's interesting yeah, yeah i would call them both leads i would say yeah real quick so, too it, it makes it even more interesting to your point because fred hampton's family was behind this film right they had yep. a lot of input yeah they had a lot of you know um involvement and and they you know a lot of you know the writers relied on them for a lot of things so no to your point it you know it's like clearly to me william o'neill's the main character right or at least yep. that's definitely where uh, that story starts. And for me, you know, as it's like, whoever's the main character first, I kind of just declare them, okay, you're the guy. Um, but also too, I feel like you certainly feel a lot more that, you know, what William O'Neill's thinking more than you do Fred. Right. Um, to me, you know, I only, we only kind of got to intimately know like what he's thinking and feeling during the prison scenes and stuff. And so, you know, but if you compare that with like William O'Neill throughout the whole film, William O'Neill seems to be a lot more consistent. So for me, like he 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 is the main character. But yeah, I mean, it's I think it's part of it is just credit to Daniel Kaluuya. I mean, well, he's so good. But that to me is like I get it, David, because to me, that's like the narrative of what the story is. Yeah, and right, if this is like right. William O'Neill's story, when we see Fred Hampton in prison, that then it, yeah, changes the optics. So, and that's does. again, I love the performance. So right. I didn't Nothing's care because wrong. everything, right. everything, right. every scene he's in, I would keep doing it. Absolutely. But my whole point is like the end idea is him taking this money. Right. We're finding out he commits suicide and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I I would have maybe liked to seen a little bit more of that. I, I don't want to see anything cut from the Fred Hampton it. stuff. I could because there is, I think, a story where I felt at the end that maybe that was the biopic part, not the Fred Hampton sure, piece, sure. but the William O'Neill piece, where I was like, how long has he been with him? How does he end up getting this position? Like, mm-hmm. you know, he's at what point is he really becoming enamored with Hampton? You know what I mean? I felt right. like that part was slightly, and I thought they did an okay job with it, but I, mm-hmm. I could have had a little bit yeah. more of that. So well, not that's, deleting that's anything increasing. It, it would have yeah. went to, it would have went to four hours if we, had, I know, you know well, maybe it was, and, and I would watch this problem. four hour cut of this movie. Well, well that's what I mean. Absolutely. Absolutely. But that, I think that real quick, Jim, that's, I think that's the thing is, um, this is like such a wide sweeping story that just to even fit it in two hours and 30 minutes in itself is impressive and long, yeah. I feel like to some extent, to some extent, but uh, with, yeah, with William O'Neill, I would have loved to figure it out. Well, how did you get to a point where you decided to commit suicide? I read a couple stuff on him, but I don't think I found anything. Cause when we start talking about like the facts of the film, yeah. one of the things are he actually didn't die after that documentary. He died m- much earlier in the in the in the in the day like like he like the the documentary aired at nine he died at 2 30 in the morning that day so and he was visiting his uncle like he was i think he was fishing or something like that so i would have liked to known if they had extended that film well like like what was the fallback for him as a black man as a guy who who turned who turned in and, and and was complicit in the in the death of this uh you know really inspirational leader to so many people like 
Yeah. Did you worry? Did you worry about what your kids would think? Did, 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 what did you, what were you doing? You know, like after we like, we know he was doing some things and stuff still with the FBI yeah. and still with the Panthers. Right. Like, like what, what was that about? Like, did you feel guilty? Like, did you feel like Judas when Judas betrayed Christ? Right. So. Yeah. And he didn't. Well, I wouldn't say we he didn't. We don't know how he felt, but we know what he said. Yeah, we do. And so like, this does give credence to what Katie was saying. We know what he said because they put it in the film. Mm-hmm. And so like he he basically said whatever happened with Fred happened with Fred, but I was still on the front line of what the Black Panthers were doing. Oh, oh, I didn't interpret that that way. Really? I thought the way that he I thought there was very interesting word choice in the way he answered that question. He said, I was in the struggle. Mm-hmm. So was, he was part, right, right. You're right. And he so, was, so how he sees And so himself, for me, right? like, because he was also being used, right? right? So right, the right, system right. was using yeah. him. And mm-hmm. so, like, he wasn't just some guy looking to make a buck. Like, he was being threatened. He right. was He mm-hmm. was being leaned on. He felt like he didn't have a choice. Right. Mm-hmm. So he was and powerless. By the way, yeah. he, was, he was another powerless person. In the struggle, we should talk about Jesse Plemons just for a second because oh heck yeah, he's a big deal though. Like yes, that agent, he's a very big deal. That Roy guy is huge. He yeah. is such uh, so he has a way of playing creepy, <laughs> disgusting characters. Yeah, and also if you've ever watched Friday Night Lights, he's, oh, he's fucking amazing. Landry. It's it's crazy how he you know, he's, he's such a sweetheart. Out. And not only that, too, real quick, just you know, before you continue. I always get like Matt Damon vibes from him because yes. to me he looks like Matt Damon. I, this, they haven't been giving, brothers yet in anything. He was have giving they? me they major be. Philip Seymour Hoffman vibes. Oh yeah, yeah. very this good. One, oh, absolutely. Real quick, like like just just what you're saying and what you're you know starting to talk about real quick. In in uh, credit to him, he has that like the way he smirks and stuff. It's just you know it's just like you you scheming like there's scheming, layers. See, there's something right, there's under layers. what he's doing. It's, it's like he's he's like the devil. The yeah. Film, oh my right? god! Like the scene with him watching O'Neill oh, while oh. Hampton's speaking, I, and we have to spend some time on. I love how they highlight Hampton's speeches. Oh yeah, um, oh, this did send me thing. on a research of Fred Hampton to to learn that he died at, at twenty one. The dude was 21. He was 21. Yes. Meaning, but, meaning that he was 18, 19. Yes. Throughout most of his career. But like graduated Panthers. top of his class in high yep. school, was studying law. Brilliant. Like he was brilliant. He was brilliant. And yeah. my God, his speeches. And mm-hmm. I just felt like watching that movie, you got caught up in what the crowd would feel listening yeah. to him. And, and his YouTube, the YouTube videos of Fred Hampton, I mean, Daniel Kaluuya did his mm. research. If you compare them, they are like almost the same. It is hauntingly amazing how that guy could could emulate Fred Hampton's speeches. I mean, it, it's it is like and and there's so much rare footage you can find. I mean, thank goodness, right? The the world of the internet and just how people have things that they collect and then they upload. I mean, to even find anything related to uh, Fred Hampton. Um, even for me, it was just like, it was major, you know, because for me, it's always like, you know, when does a guy die? He really dies when people forget his name. They forget who he is. 
Well, and it's it, the Roy Mitchell thing interests me because David's absolutely right. Roy Mitchell's like a huge deal. Yeah. And he alludes to piece of like if you study what he did through the FBI and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I thought an interesting layer. And I, I think unless you maybe study civil rights history or like um, he was talking about how he went down to Mississippi and actually helped catch the killers of the three civil rights workers, which if you love civil rights movies, Mississippi burning. So he's basically saying like he was like the Willem Dafoe character in Mm -hmm. real life of Mississippi. And he was a father figure to William O'Neill. I mean, William O'Neill said himself, you know, like everyone had Malcolm. They had Martin Luther King. I I had this guy. Yeah. Which speaks volumes about so many kinds of things. So as much as this, you know, it was a very, twisted relationship but part of it too i think was he really looked up to this guy like he really thought i'm doing something awesome i've never had a parental figure right but i thought that mm -hmm. yeah but david talk to that because i thought that was interesting too because the way he layers that performance Mm -hmm. and when martin sheen's coming there and you could tell like he's struggling in his mind be like absolutely why are we doing like you I probably think those, this guy here's scenes. right like he's a yep. guy here who's you, you clearly telling people like listen i went down the mississippi and i caught these clan guy that killed these people like right. he's saying that up front probably trying to like say i know i'm gonna i'm doing this but that's right. not who i am alone right like well you wanna, i might be you, doing you, this but i caught you these guys who killed people. them right you, well, you almost because i wonder how these fbi agents felt about these kinds of things because yeah like they had to you know, investigate and address uh, white hate crimes. And real quick, too, like I remember, you know, they, he was he, he was breaking down kind of why the Black Panthers were so different. I mean, I'm sorry, we're so much the same as the KKK. Not right? at all the same. No, 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 no. They're not, not treated the same close. by the same organization. So the FBI <laughs> no. didn't treat the Klan no, like they treated I'm, the Black I'm Panthers. I'm sorry. I, I thought Katie. that he was totally just using that. Like, that was just part of the manipulation oh, of absolutely. how he was making O'Neill feel right. okay about what he was doing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. Like, absolutely. Be, I mean, that was before O'Neill was really embedded, you know, like mm-hmm. all in. Yeah, and so like he was trying primer. to. That was like the primer. Trying to change well, the way he was going to see this organization. Right? This is how yeah. I can justify what and I. And that's I can tell people I've done this. Yeah, yep. and that, and that you know I think they they do do a good job in this movie of showing how this is an institutional problem, right? Like mm-hmm. you they they give enough outs to Jesse Plemons' character to say that like could have got out that like yeah a part of him was making a decision to make his his bosses happy, right? But there was also part of him sitting in that meeting where he was like, this is fucking crazy. And well, and I think it's important that they portray him not as pure evil. I think no. it's important right. that you see him as a dad, as, as somebody who's just going to sit down in a nice restaurant with this black guy and have a good mm-hmm. meal. You know, that he's yeah, not he a, like, so cool, he's right? not like, an he asshole. Like he's, he's not exactly, a racist. Exactly. Like you have, you have to... I think see the duality of those yeah. people, right? So that it it again it helps. I think it helps everybody understand well, how helps. like pervasive this this is, that, right? That, and that and that helped William O'Neill. He's talking about, hey, look, I'm in this white guy's house. I'm with his kids. He's letting me in. I mean, you know, it's it's kind of like uh, what do they call it? Um, kind of, you know, it's grooming. Stock. 
Indoctrination. Yes. Indoctrination. Yes. yes. Total grooming textbook methods. Absolutely. Right. And that's that's part of what you're supposed to do as an FBI agent, as a right. CIA right. agent, as right. you're supposed to gain assets and use them up. But, we, them up. but, but we've <laughs> also yeah, seen we've also seen plenty of those same people and characters who use you know abusive power and right. disrespect mm -hmm. and and he certainly uses threats but we don't see those like stereotypical ah. you know no. like t talking down to him but, and yeah. well no because him feel less right because that's movie stuff and this is how yes. real people yes. this well, is how real yes. people use people yeah listen at the end <laughs> yeah. in his mind if you think about it, look at the end of that. Yeah. Like from Roy Mitchell's perspective, he took care of him. Mm -hmm. He said, here's some money. I given you a gas station. I'm giving you a life. She didn't I'm get in real life, by the way. <laughs> but you know, no, no. But yeah. but like in the, the characterization of this movie, yeah. right? It's this Absolutely. idea like, no, no, I'm taking care of you. Right. I'm not using you up and throwing I thought that was out, a little much. Like, I was like, what do you give him that much? I don't yeah, think but, that much. but but that's, that's also an interesting like, right. take on that. Right. Like, mm -hmm. and, and, but and again, his, like, how do people do this? Like, if you looked at it from the Roy Mitchell perspective, like, mm -hmm. oh, no, no, no. I, I got this guy taken care of. Yeah, that I stopped him from stealing cars and, and I gave and, him and, a career and he's black. So I don't I'm not a racist. Right. But yeah, I right. did. I did well, help the civil rights worker. I, right. 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 So I, that's, that's, that's a big question, right? Like, is he is he a racist? Is he not a racist? 100 percent. If you work for is, is he actually sympathetic? Well, no, well, yeah, right. I mean, I'm saying I think if you're if you're thinking in the thought process of William O'Neill, you're like, there's a lot of boxes right. that this guy is checking. Right. As far as where I cannot trust him. Right. Or he's a racist. Like he set me up. Right. Like it, it, it wouldn't be foreign to William O'Neill to feel like, cause he goes through that moment where he's like, forget y'all. Like I'm, you know, I'm done. Like I'm not doing this, whatever. And then he's like, Oh shit, I can't get out. Well, I and I think out. we get that juxtaposition. That's really important of seeing the police officer, you know, mm -hmm. yelling at random, a random black woman calling her aunt Jemima, you know, like getting that, like, mm -hmm slap in the face kind oh, of yeah. racist mentality purely intentional right yep. next to mitchell it's a completely different mm -hmm. thing right mm -hmm. and i think that that's part of the one's genius educated of this film. and one's not yes right. but when yep. you say like yes the whole system is but then also there are such it you know there there is a vision that folks get of like what racism looks like, what racists it's look so like, how covert. they act, right? So covert. It's it's everyone. Everywhere. Well, it, it is least, everyone. And but we talked about this too, like when we did one night in Miami, like when Martin Luther King said, like the worst place he ever went was yeah. Chicago. It oh, was worse than Mrs. Speaking, speaking building off to that point too, going into I guess like the you know, realistic or fact actual stuff about it. So what I thought was interesting was also too. look, Martin Luther King and Malcolm X, they gave you the, the two different, you know, juxtapositions, the two different dichotomies for black Americans on what, what the hell do we do? Where do we go? Right. Um, what was interesting to me was when I read up on Fred Hampton, that, that, that very civil rights uh, uh, event that happened in Chicago, that actually caused the shift uh, in his approach of disregarding nonviolent style protesting yep. because of the way Martin Luther King. Yeah. I mean, Chicago oh, it, was, went it was horrible. All kinds of stuff, well, right? So, so that, that, you know, that, that actually pushed them to the other side where it's like, well, damn, like this guy's like nonviolent. This is happening. Like, 
yeah, this isn't going to work. Yeah, like, and I think they do a good job in this movie of showing that, that they, mm-hmm. they show that, like, one side behind closed doors was absolutely at war. Mm-hmm. And then was pretending that the Black Panthers were the aggressors here. Mm-hmm. Right? And I, and I think that's important. Like, I think a lot of times, especially white Americans, will say, like, you know, growing up, I, you know, the Black Panthers were something that I tangentially heard about. If I watch Forrest Gump, I see him at a Black Panther party. Um, you know, not understanding that that's like the name of the, of the movement, the Black Panther Party. They're they political, character. literally <laughs> a political movement. Um, but like the fact that the that Hoover is declaring, basically declaring war from and with the army of the FBI, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I don't know. It, it's just hard. It's hard to to think about like, yeah, 100%. Everyone of us, if someone declared war on our family, would pick up arms. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so like folks who say like, that's not, and Jesse Plemons delivers this line. It's heartbreaking and it's, it's probably overlooked. But when he says like, you're not going to cheat yourself to equality. And I'm like, Oh, Holy that, shit. It, there is so much in that statement right there. Yeah. That it's yep. like yep. the fact that you if you say you can't cheat yourself to equality, <laughs> you have no fucking perspective on what equality no, you is. You don't. Right. And 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 building off of that, right? I mean, right, like you 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 talk about putting yourself in that mindset of wait a minute, the government just freaking told me that people like me, who I may have not even done anything has declared war on me for people that are trying to help me. Right. But let's put that aside. Right. Let's put that aside. The the instinct of, well, I'm going to take arms because I'm being threatened. Right. It's not as if like, like black people came to America and then, um, then these things, you know, like, like, like just happened out of nowhere. Like, like these are also things that have been festering. Right. It's yeah. not as if this was like a new concept. Right. right. We've yeah. already, we've already participated in the civil war, helped fight in world war two. Right. It's still like, like, like what else can you do? Yep. So, so for me, it's like, not only is it just instinctual that you want, you feel as though you have to defend yourself, but just the fact that like, damn, like we're still having this issue and we're yep. still having this issue today. And, in, and in much more, you know, different kinds of ways. It's but, all about who tells the story, right? And and yeah. so, you know, we watch Hamilton and we glorify, like, you know, the revolutionaries who who overthrew the British, you know, and and killed <laughs> thousands of soldiers and revolted. And yeah. then we look at a group like the Black Panthers and we paint Mm -hmm. them as a nefarious organization Mm -hmm. that only Mm -hmm. wanted violence and, you Mm -hmm. know, destruction. Um, And 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 when you look at it, it's like better motives. Right. (laughs) Well, well, better motives. (laughs) Real quick, real quick, Jim. By the way, Christmas Addicts uh, was, you know, when you look at that portrait of uh, the bombing, uh, I think in Boston, I think it was, it's a massacre. Um, that you see that? Yeah, you see that portrait. That's a black man with that flaming bottle. So when we want to talk even about history, actually, I believe he was actually a free black slave as well. He was. You know, when we talk about the shock that rang out, he was at the center of it. 
So, like, ever since the beginning, I think, of our country's concept, black people have died in the struggle of that. Yeah. Well, and this is a, like. A, so what a, do you mean? Cheat, cheat yeah. your way to equality. Yeah. And this ties yeah, in. What is the right like, way to equality? play the rules that we've set up? But this They've tried into, all of the things. But no. this ties into Hoover, which is like this film. And there's been others, yeah, but is begin, <laughs> but is beginning to like highlight what a, a piece of garbage he was, you know. And it's not just against African Americans, by the way, because he had mm-hmm. the same playbook to use anytime it was it it, you, it was homosexuals, it mm-hmm. was intellectuals, it was it was the same playbook. It was anybody he could play the socialist card against. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in the case of Fred Hampton and some of us, it made it a little easier. Mm -hmm. You know, that was able, that was what he was able to play at this time period. And it's, I think it's a great example too, of like, when you hear what Fred Hampton's saying, and I think of from a modern context is like, okay, the socialism stuff apart, listen to the brilliance of what he's actually saying. And that, that is so overlooked. And instead of and I and we're not doing a great job of it now, but hopefully we we'll do a better job of it. And instead of saying, like, listen, how to how brilliant this guy is. Why is he being vilified? Like, why does Fred Hampton? He's a guy who should be at Harvard Law. Why does he's he scare people? Be, yeah. Yes. What, did, why do people? Or is he being targeted because he doesn't have to be. He could have been peaceful and he could have had all these things. Right. And there was didn't have to be anything violent about him. But J. Edgar Hoover and this is he was doing this to people in government, by the way. It wasn't even just regular people. Mm -hmm. We have we have we have created and it's finally people are starting to go after him. They want to strip his name from the FBI building and and all this. We've been fine. Yes. Finally, we're starting to realize this is a bad person who yeah. took away not only civil rights leaders, but all these other great people who could have helped America. And he ruined them he because did. they didn't fit into his small version. But, of white male. but Brian, I but, mean, but, you he, pull Hoover out and some other white guy at the top true. of the FBI that's would true. have done the could, same damn take, thing. If you study if you study him and what he was doing, he was on a I mean, Katie, he was on a different level that people don't you don't understand well, the power he th- but had. That, but I do understand it because that's what happens when you put somebody in a position of power Mm-hmm. in a country like America in a time like the 1960s. But it was yeah. even it, more than the 60s. He was it, he was decades and decades and decades. I'm like, just he's saying, right, like, I don't I don't want to get into the tricky narrative of saying like, man, without that one bad oh, guy, without it, I'm things would have been he, so different. I'm not. I'm just saying he affected more of society than people even realize. I'll tell you what, That's he, what I'm saying. He, he certainly is is infamous that no question um i mean if you look at look i mean the fbi be, you know being a director wasn't just about you know blacks it wasn't just about um the gangs in the 20s um it was it encompassed a lot of things i think he he had to me a much uh devious mind i think the theme would have stayed the same to katie's point i yes. think um but but certainly hoover was a different kind of beast right he 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 i don't think there's a lot of guys um that could have pulled off a lot of the 
gimmicks and a lot of the persuasion and a lot of the words and being a master order and, and, and being like, listen, like I feel vindicated. I feel like this is what I'm supposed to be yeah. doing by any means. He created um, a cult. Basically. He's, I, he's a perfect storm of being bad, bad morals, right? Absolutely. Incredibly intelligent. Absolutely. Yeah, incredibly absolutely. gifted. Used for destruction. Yeah. And yes. also every yes. administration could have removed him from his position. No, no, no. Right, right, right. Certainly. But but they, so it wasn't he just had a him. Lot of power for I, FBI. Yeah. Well, nobody's saying it was just right, him. But I, but, yeah. I know no but, one's saying that. Okay. We're saying that unfortunately you get this guy who was too smart and destroyed he, even he, more well, than I a think what Brian's saying is like he played his superiors just like he played everybody else. Yes. To yes. a certain extent. Yes. To the point where he was league. celebrated for league. decades. Yeah. He was yeah. celebrated. And we're finally start like the people are finally starting to embrace what he really right. was. Taking on the organized crime and you know, yeah, he was able to things. hide all that stuff. Right. He was able to um, hide this because he was going after commies, right? And, and that was what he was able to do. And, and, and the issue pathetic. too, uh, which I think is probably the most frustrating about all of this, you know, capping off that just just the story alone is it cannot be understated how important Fred Hampton uh, what would have been uh, for for decades in terms of how he was able to get gangs to uh, end violence, right? To work together, right? We we talk about crime rates in our most major cities, New York, Chicago, Philadelphia, right? Um, I don't know what you're supposed to do when <laughs> the guys that can actually get a bunch of people that are reasonably angry and, and find alternative ways to lash out and to just survive. I, I don't know what a race of people are supposed to do when the guys that can actually get them to sit down and agree and, and work constructively are, are being murdered. By our, by you know our, our our federal bureau by our government, mm-hmm. um, and and that's that's what I think constantly drives me nuts. And it's like with Jesse Plemons line going back to that right, cheating our way to equality. Well, you you, you kill everyone that you know is it you know what you guys decide to like as far as okay. Well, who's your spokesperson in the black community? You kill all every one of them. Yeah. When, We've gone when down you, the checklist. We've when, tried all the other things. Going down the che- exactly. yeah. When you set the rules of the game, you're going to force those less fortunate to cheat. Right. Right. Well, and that, but that goes back to Hoover, right? Like Fred Hampton is like his personal obsession. It's almost like this idea that he was very else, afraid of him. The right. Nobody else can solve problems because if I can't solve the problems, then I'm nothing. Right. Yeah. Like yeah. this whole thing was he had to be the person in charge. And this Absolutely. idea that a young black person or, you know, uh, you know, he did the same thing with people who are homosexual, people who are different. Like mm-hmm. the fact that somebody else could solve this, then people are going to see me for what I am mm-hmm. and then I'm done. Mm-hmm. And so you can't allow people to survive right. who are going to be able the to most, solve those type of problems. The most right? terrifying thing that Fred Hampton did was somehow in his amazing way of speaking to people, of collecting his thoughts, of, of getting people to empathize, getting people to relate was that rainbow coalition. Yeah, that was by of far course, the most right? terrifying yeah. thing. It, it's not him saying he wants to assassinate this person, or that person, which according to me, I don't, I don't think he ever did anyway. Right. Um, no, the problem was, oh, my God, what if this guy can get Latinos on his side, young patriots, right? Southern leftists, 
Um, I think that's what they're referred as. Uh, just the rest of black gangs in, in certain Which cities. is a challenge in itself, Holy right? Holy crap, right? What, like, what, what do we have now on our hands? That was the most terrified thing that man could have ever did to, to be on, I think, Edgar Hoover's yep. uh, well, radar. If you can't tell... We think you should watch this movie. Watch this movie. Yeah, and I will say this. This is required viewing. Yeah, and this is a great example. It will be off HBO Max very soon. But this is like, I'm not a huge proponent of these same day releases because I love going to the movies to see things. This is a film that I think genuinely benefits from this type of yes. thing because I think a much larger audience got it right away than maybe would have gotten yeah. it sure. in a theater. Sure. And I um, think it benefits significantly from it. Did mm-hmm. we do, did we rate this in terms of whether we think that this is the best not movie yet, not that yet. we haven't done that yet? No, no we haven't done Almost that. There. It's, time. Oh. it's time for that. Oh. It's time. Okay, I'm excited for, for it. Uh, okay, here we go. It's time for King of the Hill or just King of the Hill because we're not even discussing this. Or bad. It's not even close to as <laughs> bad as Brad. We still have to as... mention the end of the, the like the bottom of. I the honestly, rest. Brian talks about Rad like it's the worst movie of all time. I love Rad. I honestly think it's know, probably it's a... a better than thirty percent of movies. It I agree. Is, We've just been watching problem, some very good movies yeah, recently. Yeah, yeah. This is the problem. Yeah, I can't wait for us to go into a different. Yeah, we will at some. We will run out at some point. In a couple of weeks, we'll watch Lucky Numbers and Rad. Oh God, please! Wait, we're not watching Lucky Numbers, are we? No. Did you know that's the that's yes, the movie we walked out on? He knows. Yes, that's I why know. he said it. Is that the one with Josh Harnett? Uh, no, no that's Josh Lucky Number Eleven, which oh, is actually really good. That's a great movie. Yeah, that's that's okay, a that's very good movie. Though. I was thinking um, of Lucky Number Eleven. My bad. Yeah. Okay. No, watch that. So, Don't watch Lucky Numbers. All right. Okay. So our real question is this: Is this a movie you pick over Arsenic and Old Lace? Now, David, have you seen Arsenic and Old Lace? I, I have not seen it, but I, I, I'm aware that you know it's it's very well okay. high, highly regarded. So you know, to me, classics are classics. Okay. So Katie. <laughs> so let's go to Katie. Katie, uh, Judas and the Black Messiah mm-hmm. over Arsenic or Old Lace? Yes, yes. or no? This okay. is this is better than Arsenic and Old Lace. Yep. Jim agreed. Okay. Yep. Uh, yes, it is. And I've been Ooh. saying every film we've done for yeah. weeks is better than <laughs> Brian does not have so the love I, for our so second old lace that waiting. we had. David, you <laughs> should <laughs> wait for the, You should watch it. I would love for you to watch movie. it, though. Yeah. It is okay. a good movie. It is actually. absolutely okay. worth watching. It's very okay. funny. If you, if you like uh, Casablanca, it's easy. It to is. get into it. enjoy it. It's the it's the I, Casablanca okay level like comedy. comedy. <laughs> yes. Okay. yes. I, I told Katie this, like to me, Casablanca is like not only one of the greatest films ever made. To me, it's the greatest romantic film. Oh, you and Jim are going to have a whole We thing. disagree on that, yeah, but that's, that's another episode. Because okay, I think they're just, come back. They're just come back. goofy. Yeah, they're really um, confused people. <laughs> it's a great, it's a great movie. David, uh, a Criterion Channel subscription. <laughs> you got to get yourself a Criterion Channel. I'll, we'll yeah. talk after the show. I'll give you yeah. my login. <laughs> uh, all right, it is time for five questions. Here we go. Right, let's do it. You want answers? answers. I want the truth. Makes a man, Mr. Lebowski. What the fuck is the internet? Watch. Why? All right, five question time. Katie will be asking David the five questions this week. Here we go. 
So uh, this was a heavy movie, David. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. I, I tried to bring a balance in the the, yes. uh, the light and the heavy in our five questions. Okay. <laughs> so thumbs up or thumbs down on berets? Hell yes. I have one. I had one for <laughs> Christmas. You have one? I, yes. You yeah. put it on now. Oh, oh man. Oh, can you give me a second? Yes, go get it. Absolutely. 100%. <laughs> This uh, is while de- he's up, this will give us a great time to plug our other podcast, uh, the, the Shit, shit show. show. We'll, we'll all wear a beret podcast. for you. On the, the I will wear show. a beret yeah, on that go. show, even though there's no visual evidence Mm-mm. of it. Yeah, sorry, um, just you'll believe it. You'll feel it that we are bereaved. I am uh, into berets. So I correct. Think yes. Also- yes! Oh, yes. yes. <laughs> This is a blue one. It's, That's lovely. We will ooh, count that it. That is very stylish. <laughs> that, yeah. is, that looks a lot. That, we'll, that looks a lot better than a beret. Yeah, we'll count it. We'll count it. But it's a great hat, though. Thank you, grandmother. Grandmother, That's a good hat. Christmas, she did you right. Good hat. Years ago. She did that. Good. All right. So um, yes. Question number two. Would you? This I have to tell you that this is from Jim. Um, yes. So. That this is a movie about the Black Panthers, we must yes. acknowledge the Black Panther. Yes. Would you rather recast T'Challa in the Black Panther or pass the mantle to Shuri? I would. Or I would, you, I, I would say or, you, you could pick a third option and come a up with a character, yeah. maybe. I, yeah. I would say, I would say, um, okay. So the mantle of Black Panther has been passed on to Shuri. Mm-hmm. Um, for, so prior to Chadwick Boseman dying, I figured that would be something that would happen down the line. Mm-hmm. Um, and even with that, I don't think it would be something that would be permanent anyway. But going back to the first part of that question, absolutely, I would recast Black Panther. And the reasoning is because, although I love everything Chadwick Boseman did with that role, um, if you look with the comics and, and, and the cultural significance of not who Black Panther is, but more so who T'Challa is. Um, he's bigger than one actor. And I honestly, God believe that I think if, if it was up to Chadwick, he would want that uh, mantle, not just as Black Panther, but just as T'Challa, who T'Challa represents, right? He's, he's one of the most intelligent, um, wealthiest, you know, one of the most profound Black characters, well, Marvel characters, period. Um, and I think you can't you, you can't kind of, in my view, uh, take that away. You know, um, am I saying they need to recast them immediately? It doesn't look like that's what they're doing. I think, you know, like what they said was we're not going to recast them. But I think the way they said it was we're not going to recast them for this sequel. But yeah. I feel like you're going to make a missed opportunity by not. Well, they the could do that. that with the multiverse potentially, right? You just they have could, a different, they have so many options. They, they've even said they could make Michael right. B. Jordan Chikala uh, in, in a different universe well, instead e- of Killmonger. E- either way, I think what's most important is one, you, you don't get the benefit of at least having like a scene or something to kind of actually show the child's death. Obviously we know the reason why he's not here, but bottom line, you know, there's multiple iterations of Bruce Wayne by various actors, <laughs> multiple iterations of James Bond. God damn it. Like we we've we we've had T'Challa on the screen for maybe three, four so good. years. And yeah. again, this is not a slight to Chadwick because Chad Chadwick is forever in my heart. He's done so many things as an actor. Um that means a lot to guys that look like me and countless others throughout the whole world. Is it's not a slight against him. I just think T'Challa, not Black Panther, just T'Challa is way 
more of an important character in, in the scheme of everything with Marvel and just period with, with the, when it comes to superheroes that it can't just end with Chadwick Boseman being the only guy to play. Them. Can we just you get see- old man T'Challa and make it Idris and be done with Ooh. it? Yes, please. Listen, man. Yes, yes. Please. As long as you keep him around, listen. All in. That would be I will move to Wakanda he's of, right now. He, he's a part of things like with the Illuminati, which is the organization yep. in the comic books. Um, I mean, like, he is one of these wealthiest, smartest men. Do you think they just period. turn him in do all that stuff from the comic, but just turn it into a, a different character. You know I mean, like you can pull all that off and I, they just heard about make that. it somebody like different. Do they make it oh, Daniel? Man, Does I, Daniel I'm, become Black yeah, Panther and listen, then take I, on Oh, that would roles? be awesome. I, I, like, again, I'll tell you what. I mean, if, if, if yeah, I mean, that, that could be a route. Look, I, for the most part, I have a lot of faith in Marvel at this point. I don't think they can really lose, right? I, they're, they're at that too big to fail point. Um, for me, but um, I just I you know just, how that story ended, though, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, but I I think ultimately it's just he he's he's just too big of a deal. He's just too. Did big you of a see deal. Ma Rainey? I don't yet. want them. I have not been able to. Oh, see you got to watch it. I know I got to watch you gotta it. Got to watch it. He no, won the Golden Globe. He was amazing. I, know. I, I, I have to. So so yeah. To to long story short, um, you can you can give sure that mantle while respecting the fact that that T'Challa's character needs to survive and, and live on. Makes sense. All right. Good answer. Good answer. Question number three, fill in the blank. Uh, we mm-hmm. see O'Neill receive a car, well negotiated from the FBI in this movie. If you could receive a new car as a payment for a job well done, what car would you choose? Fill in the blank. I'm so sorry. I didn't okay. word that as a fill no, in the no, blank. You're, but- you're good. You're good. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you what, if, Close if, enough. if I have to turn against the Black Panthers or just the black community in general, I better be getting a spaceship then. Because oh, yeah. it better be there is no, Sorry. no, 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 no. You don't need to turn. No, no, no. It's like it's for coaching good. football. Like no, you're going to get paid in a car. I, I absolutely know what you mean. Um, <laughs> but just putting it out there, you know, like there's no way. No. But I do have an answer for that, though. If it was just for any kind of payment, uh, most likely it would be a uh, black Jeep Wrangler. Yes. Uh, I really like those, those, you know, with the, you can, you know, zipper the, mm-hmm. the hood off and oh, stuff. Yeah. It's rugged, you know, yep. um, I'm not a crazy car guy to be honest, but I love how those Jeeps look Yeah, and it just looks badass. Do you want an old school one or a new one? Uh, it depends. I'm not a picky guy. So right. the old school's got a, I don't know. It's got like a classic look to it. I, yeah. It's kind of got like an 18, eight, an 18 vibe. Yeah. <laughs> Something about them. All right. Yeah. Question number four. Uh, what would be your favorite meal to order at a fancy restaurant if money was no object? So this, this one was actually hard because I, I know it sounds crazy, but I really don't like, I, I was never a picky kid. So I couldn't tell you like a favorite meal. First of all, um, I mean, pizza would just be up there, but how fancy can you get with pizza? Yeah, pretty fancy. Uh, well, it depends. Well, <laughs> yeah, but it, the fancier like the pizza fancy. gets, I think the lower. Yeah, it's not often better. At the peak of fanciness, it's like a, a little slice of cheese now. and yeah. maybe a little crust in the <laughs> You've lost all like, the good got stuff. like $100 <laughs> worth of truffle on it, and you're like, well, I didn't want that on my pizza. But I did think of something, and I guess what I would say is I hear a lot about the uh, Wagyu beef mm-hmm. or the Korean beef, mm-hmm. I think. So, like, I'm, I'm thinking, like, fancy restaurant. Mm-hmm. Um, I would want to try the, the the most, you know, fanciest beef there is. So I think it's Kobe beef or Wagyu beef. One of those. Yep. Slap that. Give me a burger. 
you know, nice, uh, you know, potatoes cutting, you know, cutting the fries, super fancy, garlic parmesan up, and I think I'll be a happy camper. And a fresca. And a fresca. Oh, a fresca. You got to have a fresca. <laughs> that sounds like a good meal. That is a good meal. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Kobe, Kobe is actually named after a Kobe, Kobe restaurant, beef restaurant. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, it. yep. yep. Mm-hmm. Well, how about that? So Wagyu, Kobe, yep, either one. All right. Our, our deep thoughts question is a big one, David. Okay. Uh, so... After I watching know. this God, movie, God forbid. Listen, like, this is like I don't know. This is like a thesis. I didn't see that you wrote this. I would have nixed that. Oh, yeah. it's all right. I talk, we <laughs> talked about good. this today. You know, let's do it. Let's where, do it. Where Where do we go from here? <sighs> so I, I think I think that as we were talking earlier, I think number one, it's time for these stories to be told. Uh, I think that's the first thing because I think. Part of the issue for, you know, all my social justice warriors out there is there are a lot of things that people don't know. Right. Um, There are narratives that are written by the winners in this case. Doesn't make them true. Doesn't make it right. Um, But I think that's the number one first step. As we talked about before, you know, shows like Watchmen, uh, they they finally really just, you know, showed what happened in um, um, Tulsa, uh, Tulsa. Tulsa, yeah, Tulsa, that people had no idea of. Like, they had no idea. They either thought it was a myth or it never happened. So I think where do we go from here starts with these stories have to be told. It is mandatory. If we're going to heal as a country, we have to acknowledge um, that there aren't as many bad guys, quote unquote, as I think the narrative has made it out to be. Um, number two, where do we go from here is also um, – I think certainly there I, it, within the black community there, I, th- I think there are things that we as a people um, can do better. Uh, and I think we're in the process of that. I think we're in the process of understanding that we do have political power. That's why, you know, not to get too political, but that's why voter restriction is an issue. Yeah, It's still been an issue and it's an issue currently. There's a reason why our voting power is scary, frankly. Um, and, and, and on the other side of that, I think, where do we go from here is just, you know, my, my fellow white Americans, uh, European Americans, Caucasians, whoever, um, stop the cycle. You know, uh, if, if, if you, if you, if all you ever do is, you know, get your kids to, um, not say the word, I don't see color because I think that's become a lot more problematic than I think people think, but just the idea of like, just teach your kids to just respect other people. And if you're going to criticize or judge them with things, don't make it about their skin color, you know? Yeah. And I, I, I think that's all we can do. I'm, I, me personally, I'm not looking for a group of people to solve um, problems of racism. I think it is a collective effort. I think it's a, we have to all be in this together. Um, but that that's all I'm asking. And I think a lot of, uh, black people would probably say the same. They're just like, listen, like, just <laughs> look, if, if if there's racism in your family, acknowledge it, teach your kids better. That's it. Do you, so, so do you those see, three things, I think, yes. Do you see these stories being told more often on oh, major, yeah. in major platforms oh, as a yeah. sign of, of progress? I, I, I absolutely think so. And then again, I, when I mean I, I'm talking about blacks, I'm talking about Latino stories, Asian American stories, um, more more female empowerment. There are so many things 
that encompass the fact that, uh, we, you know, we, we can and will do better. Um, as I told you, Katie, earlier too, I'm still almost in disbelief that this movie even got made. Yeah. Because well, I, certainly, well, because that growing up, that was always the narrative. Oh, they won't, they're not going to show a movie like that. Do they, do they have any idea what could happen if they show a movie like that? You know, I think Spike Lee kind of started that kind of thing of, whoa, we're going there in the movie theater. And then, you know, people are fighting. I mean, if you had this movie out, you know, in theaters where there wasn't a pandemic, I'd be very curious to see how that went. And hopefully from a positive standpoint, but I was, I was angry as hell, you know, like I, I, you know, so it, it was great to have that experience of actually seeing it at home because I was able to kind of just be in my thoughts, um, feel how I wanted to feel and not feel like, oh, I can't feel like this when I'm out in public because of this or, or that reason and stuff. So um, I, I think absolutely we are going to see more and more of these kinds of movies. Um, you look at the things that Tyler Perry uh, is doing. You, you, you look at the fact that um, television shows, even Disney, right, with, and with Marvel, um making an effort to add more black writers into stories um you, you got you got falcon being the new captain america and, and i mean that that's just it's mind-blowing it's the comic books have already gotten there and now it's time for those things to i, I want miles i want fucking miles morales well, he'll be there I think real he'll be there, so. oh, he'll be there. life but the, miles you gotta morales remember, you remember sony owns that uh and yes. i do think david's absolutely right and I think unless the Oscars, well, the Oscars can always be effed, but I, I think, think I think gonna Chadwick's going to win. Yep. I think Daniel's going to win. Uh, yep. I think Nomadland's going to win, which is a female written and directed mm-hmm. movie. Mm-hmm. I think Zoe Shayo is going to win for director. And I think it could be a pretty crazy year for the Oscars. Mm-hmm. If, they better if, if, get... if they're sane, because I've seen all the stuff that's out and all those people I just named Viola. are by far uh, it's yeah. not even like questionable I, I really think, to me I think this we year are, that we are like hitting, there's gonna be that yeah. this year we, i think we're we're hitting a reckoning um not to mention right even one night in miami regina king that's yep. gonna get she could be up. yeah that right and- um so so i yeah so ultimately i feel like we are just getting started um i think we're reaching a point where we're not going to be going backwards with film anymore um i think we're 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 we're, we're moving forward i don't know when or how it started, but I, my sense of things from where we go are a lot more optimistic than I think it's ever been, even though we're in a very divisive time right now. To me, that feels a lot more like, you know, the classic cliche line, you know, right? Darkest before the dawn. So I think this is, this is dark and dawn's coming and, and we're going to get there. Well, I like is people are, compl- there, there's a segment that's complaining, but they're complaining because the stuff's getting made. <laughs> which is a and, good sign and, and that's a, that's <laughs> they, a very they're good being sign. reactionary to it the exactly. fact is getting made you and should that, be and that's what they're ticking you so should be pissed off i it. should be pissed off you should be pissed off we should all collectively be pissed <laughs> off because there's so much injustice and and it's finally giving get, given its due and it wasn't made by white guys that decided no offense right like oh we're gonna do a story about fred hampton <laughs> and not include anyone that might know the guy or 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 has an African American voice, right? This was also fully supported by his family. Yeah, involved uh, African American writers, young guys wrote this film up. Shaka King on his second film, 
His second film. And the first right? one was like small budget. This, I mean, this is exactly. Almost, I mean, this is almost first this theatrical. Is, it's almost one. unheard of. But maybe it also just has to do with the fact when you let black voices share their stories and not all of them have to be about slavery um no. crime right i think we're also going to get to that point too right with black sitcoms black comedies that are they've already been making money you look at crazy rich asians mm-hmm. minority films are making tons of money yep. when you make them so and he's making in the heights narrative. exactly in the so, heights coming in june right but we so, will be doing on comagers we are we are we are just getting started we are just getting started David, thank you. Uh, David and I are very excited. I think we're the two people on social media who are the most excited because David will be back to discuss without remorse when yes. that comes out. Yes. You say Michael B. Jordan. I say I am right there. I'll be right there. And it's I'll based right on a Tom it's basically, book. From what I, I can tell, wait. it's basically right going to be John Wick, but with yes. Michael B. Jordan. So it, everything I am all in. Yeah, you're all in. <laughs> He's on. like the anti... Like, I, I mean, now listen, like, like Jack Ryan... <laughs> My parents love Jack Ryan. Clear and Present Danger, Red October. Uh, oh, Red October. Air Force yeah. One, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, Harrison Ford is amazing. I love No Harrison Air Force Ford. One. That's, nah, that's I right. love I Air just, Force One, I David. I was referencing the movies. But, 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 but my point, though, is um, just the fact of, I guess, building a Clancy verse. Yes. Because I didn't Him know. and John Krasinski. Give right. us... Give us John oh those and two Lee. together and would Michael be amazing. Jordan, that would be tell me you wouldn't want to you and, pay and anything to see those two. Why not? It would be exactly. amazing. Exactly. Exactly. So we I just want to clarify. So much fun. Air Force One is not Jack Ryan. It is not Jack <laughs> it, Ryan. It, oh, I'm sorry. I'm yeah. Sorry it, it, well, it might as well have been because it, it was a rip off. Basically, kind of a movie. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. It was a rip off of it. Clear present danger. Patriot Games. Patriot Games. I'm sorry. That's what I meant. I'm sorry. My bad. Yes. My bad. It could have been. It could have been. They're one. very yeah. easily Jack confused. Ryan. <laughs> they are. They, they are. That, it basically, they should have actually. Hunt for Red October Ryan. is a pretty. Of course, oh, that's amazing. Have oh, you seen that movie. one, David? Great have movie. you seen Hunt for Red October I, with John I've Connery seen, and I, I've, Alec yeah. Baldwin? Obviously, you know, to me, that would probably be the most, I think, boring in terms of when I was an eight-year-old kid. Well, wow, it's an eight-year-old kid. You got to watch it again, though. Okay. Well, yep. Definitely. But yeah, yeah. I. They, they're they're all uh, films I, I can recall as a kid. Um, very riveting, very thriller-like. <laughs> Harrison Ford's awesome. So <laughs> diplomatic he is. He is. He's the best. Uh, we'll, we'll see you again. We can't wait without remorse, yes. which will just be a lot of people getting blown up. So it'll be, yeah. uh, it'll be fun <laughs> to do that. I can't wait to David, see David, it. it's always a pleasure. We Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks so much us. for coming back. tomorrow morning. Yep. We got all a right. virtual retreat. Bye, everybody. Bye. All right. Bye, Bye guys.